If you could allow me just to have a moment of personal privilege uh, before I begin the sermon, you'll notice on the pews around you our latest newsletter. Some of you, unfortunately, have it in black and white. That's because you're a really bad person. Uh, if you have the full color one, be encouraged. You're super important. I'm just kidding. Um, but I do want to leave you uh, just kind of our, our latest newsletter, just the, the latest what's going on with the Clement family and RUF at Georgia. Most of you know this, but I want to make it clear, um, after 13 years of serving as a campus minister with RUF, at the end of this month, uh, we will be moving to a new position. Um, the good news is that we are still continuing our work with RUF, and we are also continuing to live in Kingswood, in Athens, kids at the same school, going to stay here, all that kind of stuff. But we are um, taking a, my new role will be to oversee the RUF chapters in the states of Georgia and North Carolina. So we'll have some traveling, but uh, also be in prayer for the Presbytery Committee as they are the group of men that will be hiring my replacement. And it seems like the interview process has been going very well and they're closing in on a candidate and we'll wait for, obviously you guys will, will know soon enough, but be in prayer for that Presbytery Committee, please. Um, and also, I just want to say thank you um, your prayer, your encouragement, your friendship, and your financial contributions have allowed us to be able to serve at the University of Georgia um, for the last seven years. And it, it's just very humbling. Um, this church, if you're new to Redeemer, I just want to say this. This church is so sold out on missions. It is, it is truly an example to our denomination. Um, most of the money that comes into Redeemer is sent out sent out to Africa, sent out to the University of Georgia, sent out to people around the world. And um, we are just very humbled from the bottom, bottom of our hearts. My family and I would like to thank you. We are so grateful. And we're also thankful that, that we'll continue to be around here. So with that, thanks for, thanks for everything. Um, I wonder how many of you, um, when I talk about food... If you have a certain meal that you have in mind, maybe it was your wedding reception, maybe it was a really nice steak, maybe it was, um, if you're a vegetarian, some really great vegetables. Um, I don't know what it is for you, um, but when I think about food, there's one particular meal that a, a friend of mine in Dallas took me out to this incredible steakhouse, and I had this massive filet that, that seemed like it was as big as my head. And it was just perfectly cooked. It was aged. It was marbled. And, and it was crispy on the outside. And, and on the inside, it was nice and juicy and a perfect medium rare. And it was just so good. It was rich. It was complex. And it was satisfying. When I look at Romans chapter 8, those three descriptors, I think, also apply. Romans 8 is rich. It is complex and it is satisfying. So I guess I want to invite you as we look at Romans chapter 8 to sit up, to come to the table, grab a chair and taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. And for the sake of time, I'm going to read verses 1 through 2 and then I'm going to skip down to verse 9. This is God's word. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. 
You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also, will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Will you pray with me as we begin? Dear Heavenly Father, as we consider what Paul has to say in Romans chapter 8 about God the Spirit... We ask for God the Spirit to be with us here this morning because we cannot know anything from the Bible, your holy word, unless the Holy Spirit opens our hearts and opens our minds to understand it. Please be with us, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, the force will be with you always. Obi-Wan Kenobi to Luke Skywalker. What in the world is the force? Well, Justin, the force is an energy field. That still doesn't help me. What in the world is an energy field? We find this presence of the force throughout all of the Star Wars episodes, and yet, if you're like me, maybe we don't really know what to do with the force. Like the force... I wonder if many of us don't exactly know what to do with the Holy Spirit. We know we're supposed to know something, and you might even feel a little bit embarrassed saying, yeah, I I know he's important, but I don't really know what he does. And so it can be very confusing. I think some of us, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, we might even want to avoid the topic because it's just hard to understand. And so I think it's important for us to look at Romans chapter 8. Because you know what? Paul thinks that the Holy Spirit is very important. Paul mentions the word spirit 19 times in chapter 8. If you contrast that with chapter 7, he only mentions it one time. I think it sounds like it's a pretty important thing. There's this rich truth about the Holy Spirit that we need to consider. So this morning, I want us to simply consider the work of the Holy Spirit. And I want us to look at it in three different ways. What is the work of the Holy Spirit? The first thing, look at verses 9 to 11. The first thing that we see is new birth. What is the work of the Holy Spirit? Number one, new birth. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. 
if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit is life. Spiritual vitality for those of us that are in Christ. The Holy Spirit lives inside of every believer, every Christian. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes us alive. The Spirit is the one who brings all of this vitality. And in verse 6, to set the mind on the flesh is dead, is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Now think about this. This is not just a Pauline idea. Think about Jesus' conversation with a guy named Nicodemus in John chapter 3. What you got to know about Nicodemus is this guy came to Jesus at night because he probably didn't want anyone to know that he was coming to this rabbi Jesus. But he was legitimately curious, and he also had a vast knowledge of the Old Testament. And he asked Jesus some important questions. But listen to how Jesus responds in John chapter 3, verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do you hear that new birth language that Jesus himself speaks to? The Holy Spirit brings new birth. The Holy Spirit is one that brings us from death to life. How do we get a hold of this new birth? Well, the number one thing is to stop all of our attempts to be good on our own strength. We cannot be good enough. We cannot... That was the problem with Nicodemus, is that he really thought that he had followed the law and that God was pretty lucky to have him around. We have to stop all of our attempts to be our own savior and to pay our own way and instead believe the gospel, acknowledge our desperation, acknowledge our complete, utter need for God, acknowledge that all the times that we've tried to live life on our own have completely fallen apart, wave the white flag, and that's when new life, that's when new birth begins. God comes to us with the gospel of grace. Well, what difference does new birth really make? Did you notice how chapter 8 began? Kind of famous, familiar verses, maybe for some of you that have never really read the Bible, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That statement of truth is only true for those that have received this new birth. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I think it's important for us to think about this. Conviction of sin... In the life of a Christian is a good thing. But I think sometimes we might even use that word conviction to actually condemn ourselves. And other times we're so afraid of this language of conviction that as soon as the Holy Spirit begins to impress upon areas of our life and say, you should not have said that to that person. You should not have thought that about that person. You, you should not have spoken harshly to your children. We kind of assume that's condemnation. No, that's actually a good thing. That's conviction. That's the Holy Spirit coming to believers and saying, I want to make you look like Jesus. 
Condemnation is saying, you yelled at your child again. Or you slept through your alarm again and you didn't read your Bible. You are a loser. God doesn't love you. You are a disgrace. You better get it together. Paul is saying, because of this new birth, that kind of condemnation is gone because of the work of Christ. Do you march through your day condemning yourself for those things? Maybe you condemn yourself for how your marriage is going, or you condemn yourself for how you're parenting. You condemn yourself for uh, the relationships that you have. Hear the good news of the gospel. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So that's the first thing that Paul wants us to see is the Holy Spirit comes to bring new birth. But there's also something else new that the Holy Spirit brings from chapter 8. He also brings us new growth. New birth and new growth. We see this in verses 12 through 14. Take a look at those for a second. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But by the Spirit... If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. What is this new growth? Verse 13, the Spirit is the one who grows us. The Spirit is the one who empowers you to love your spouse, to love your children, to love your co-workers. The Spirit is the one who empowers you to put our gossip to death. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to put aside our pettiness. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to put aside our arrogance and our spiritual pride. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to put our lust aside and our explosive anger aside. Do you notice the emphasis? It's the Holy Spirit who makes us look like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one who sanctifies us. Yes, yes, I know some of you will protest. Of course we play a part in that. Of course we must not be passive and put our hands behind our head and just say, let go and let God. Of course we play a part to uh, play a massive role. But we must not confuse the fact you don't sanctify yourself. You can't fix your marriage. You can't fix your relationship at work. The Holy Spirit is the one who conforms us to the image of Christ. The Spirit who lives in every believer shows us that Jesus actually does love us. The Holy Spirit shows us and presses in on us and asks, why am I seeking love from those people? Why am I seeking love from those those things when I have the love of the Father? The Spirit weakens our heart motivations for those other things by showing us the grandeur of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one who does that. He brings those truths and the work of Christ and applies it to our hearts for growth. Think about, for example, let's be very concrete. Let's say that you're in a season of just your heart is hard and bitter. Not toward everyone, but maybe a handful of people. People, you just... There's a bitterness. There's a callousness. And you tell yourself, I need to stop. I need to stop. I need to stop. I'm a Christian. And you do. I need to. But that's not enough. My concern is that's how we think about sanctification is, I need to stop this. 
Well, we're instead, that's why the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit presses into us and asks us, why do you desire bitterness? Why do you desire that thing that was kept from you, that now your response is to be bitter? What about sexual lust? All of us are sexually broken people, whether you are single, married, divorced, whether uh, whatever your history is, we are all broken sexually and we all struggle with sexual lust. I need to stop. I need to stop. Yes, yes. Again, we, we do. Of course we need to stop. But is that enough? We, the Holy Spirit impresses on us, why do I desire that kind of intimacy, that kind of connection with that person right now? Why do I think that's going to be satisfying and fulfilling and meaningful when I have the approval and the of my Heavenly Father? What about lying? You know what really is behind lying as I've tried to rec- wrestle with my own heart and And just consider it as lying is about our reputation, our persona being threatened. We all have a brand. We all have an appearance that we want to show and project to people, whether you believe in God or not. And if we are in fear of losing that sort of brand or that sort of reputation, then we will cut corners. We will lie a little bit. Because we want to project a certain way. I'll give you an example. If someone were to come to you after church and talk to you and say, Hey man, how are you guys doing? How's work going? And deep down you know, you know that work has been so tough for you this week. You have a boss that is not just. You have coworkers that don't respect you. But that person after church says, how are you doing? And you say, "I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. How are you doing? You just lied. Because you don't want people to see that you're struggling. When in reality, we all are. And the greatest lie the evil one can do is for us to continue to act like we're all okay. And we don't need Jesus. So what's the Spirit doing in all of this? He is shining a spotlight on the beauty of Jesus Christ. He loves you. Look at His worth. Look at his life. The Spirit is showing us that every Christian is a saint and a child of God. The Spirit even gives us inward confidence and encouragement and strength to love hard people. We cannot love difficult people that God has providentially put in our lives on our own strength. And I tell you, I keep trying every day to do that. I don't know why. I don't know why I keep doing that, but God has put hard people and challenging people in all of our lives. Hard, difficult relationships. And I don't know why I don't just lay down before my Father and say, Lord, I can't do this. Will you please fill me with your spirit to be able to do that? When can we get a hold of this new growth? When can we get a hold of this new growth that the Holy Spirit brings? Guys, this is why we're here this morning. This is why we confess our sin and we affirm our faith and we sing these songs is that the Holy Spirit would make these uh, truths and realities that Christ has purchased real and true to our lives. That they're an objective reality in heaven, to be sure, signed, sealed, and delivered. But our subjective apprehension and living and feeling and thinking and doing out of those realities have to be Shaped. We have to concentrate. We, we need worship. We need community groups. 
We need one-on-one coffees and lunches with people. We need men getting breakfast together saying, hey, man, how's your marriage? Hey, man, how are you doing at work? How's everything going with this or with that? Because that's where the Holy Spirit conforms us more to the image of Christ. The Holy Spirit brings us this new growth. The Holy Spirit brings new birth. The Holy Spirit, thirdly, brings us new assurance. Look at verses 15 through 17 for a moment. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Do you hear that language of assurance? How does the Spirit bring this new assurance? He reminds our hearts that we actually have a home that we actually have a family. Whether you believe in God this morning, whether you are a committed Christian, I'm convinced, knitted, woven into into what it means to be human is we long for connection and community and family and we long for the safety of home. One of the sweetest promises that the Holy Spirit gives to us is this new assurance that the hope, the longing, the home, the family that you have been craving and we've tried to fashion for ourselves by having our perfect home and perfect house is ours in Christ. And the Holy Spirit brings those realities home to us. The Holy Spirit convinces us that that we are not slaves. That we're children of God. I wonder how many of us this morning would be able to say that. Yes, I know that I'm a child of God. But if we were to follow you around this week. And if you were to follow me around this week. We live as slaves to control. That's why you have anxiety attacks. We live as slaves to people's approval. That's why you get so angry when she rejects you or he doesn't want to spend time with you or you feel disrespected by your boss. We are children of God, but so often we fall back into that slavery. But listen, there's someone I want to read to you. His name is J.I. Packer. He's a British guy. I think he's in his 80s. He is an expert on the Bible. And listen to what he says about this idea of the Christian's primary Understanding of themselves as being a child of God. This, is, this guy's an expert, okay? Unfortunately, it's not in the bulletin, but I will maybe have Morgan put it on the website so you guys can have this quote for yourself. Listen to what J.I. Packer says. To be right with God the judge is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father is a greater thing. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, listen to this. It means he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Did you hear what he just said? 
if we don't primarily think about Christianity as a father relating to a child, according to J.I. Packer, he's saying you probably don't understand Christianity. He's not saying that you're not saved. He's saying that you probably have been saved for a long time, but you've been living like a slave, trying to earn your father's approval instead of basking and enjoying the glory of being a child of God because of the work of Jesus. Our understanding of Christianity cannot be better than our grasp of adoption. That quote that I just read to you is from this book called Children of the Living God by Sinclair Ferguson. The reason why I want to bring this up is because I read this book my first year of seminary in 1999. When I was in high school, I went to a Christian school, very similar to many of the Christian schools in town. And my senior award was not most likely to succeed, was not most athletic. It was um, best Christian attitude. I was also the president of the FCA. I was also the chaplain of the pep club. I don't even know how that works. (laughs) Um, Do you see a lot of the Christian accolades and awards that characterize my story in high school? Even in college. And when I read that book by Sinclair Ferguson, my first year of seminary in 1999, it was like floodgates open and I realized I've been a Christian since I was 10, but I've been living as a slave. Because I never really believed that I have a father in heaven whose approval and love and embrace I already have because of Jesus. But I'm spinning my wheels, working so hard, hoping to get more accolades and be included in more social groups in hopes of getting that. And I'm convinced if we're not thinking about God the Father, that is all of our default postures. You can be a Christian here this morning and like if Jesus were to come back right now, we would all, you know, we'd all see him face to face. But you could be living your life as a slave. The Holy Spirit is the one. He is the one who ensures our hearts that this is true. Christ has purchased, Christ has accomplished the work. The Holy Spirit brings these realities into where we live, into our hearts saying, you are a child of God. You don't need her approval. You can stop working at six o'clock and go home and be with your family. You don't have to prove yourself at work. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings this new assurance. Did you notice that there's this strange phrase, Abba? I'm not referring to the amazing 1970s disco band. Abba is in the Bible. It's the Aramaic phrase that honestly would be best translated as da-da. Not daddy, but da-da. When every baby reaches out to her parents, what do they say? They say, Mama, Papa, Dada, Abba. That's exactly what Paul is trying to get us to see. Every human desires to reach out for love and assurance and complete trust, knowing that he is safe in someone else's arms. And Paul is saying, only the Holy Spirit gives you that real assurance that you are safe and sound. And all of our souls are longing to hear that this morning. Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us safety and trust. 
So what might the implications, if that's true, if the Holy Spirit brings that kind of powerful assurance, I think the implications are pretty huge. Number one, new assurance means confidence. Not self-confidence in what you've accomplished at work or because you have money or because your family name is important, but real confidence that you've been longing for. Because we can know God with the same confidence as a baby who grabs for a parent. When is the last time you've ever held a child? A little tiny baby. If those of you are, who are in high school or college and you've never done that, I recommend you doing that because that's what Paul wants us to consider. This is what it's like for us to be held in our Heavenly Father's arms. That child is completely passive and limp, absolute surrender, absolute trust. And the Spirit says to our hearts, you can trust your father like that. There's another implication. Not only this new confidence, but also new assurance means a spirit of sonship, not slavery. As a Christian, all we can do... All of us, even as we believe the gospel, throughout the day, I could have an incredible prayer time in the morning and then five minutes later slip into a spirit of slavery. Has that ever happened to you? You just had a killer devotion. Maybe you read some awesome Paul Tripp quote. You're like, amen. And then your children rush in and you're like, what happened to that devotion? Right? Am I the only one? We can... Have the work of Christ. We can be totally saved and believe. And for a moment, we have that spirit of slavery. We fall back into believing it's about us. It is quite possible to believe there is now no condemnation and still live like a slave. So how do we get a hold of this spirit of sonship that Paul is talking about? How do we get a hold of this? Well, honestly, sometimes it happens rather modestly. That's... What I hope is happening this morning. I hope that in your corporate worship time and Sunday school lessons or um, maybe your own devotional life, the Holy Spirit, by reading the scripture, reminds you, oh yeah, I'm putting all of my identity in my job performance. Oh yeah, I'm putting all of my identity in whether my grandchildren um, you know, are walking with God. Oh yeah. I'm putting all of my identity in being able to pay the bills. Those are all good things, of course, but that's not our source of identity, right? Your identity is a child of God. And so it happens modestly sometimes. Um, But also, you know, it also happens sometimes unannounced. This is where sometimes as, as Presbyterians, maybe this might be harder for us to understand, but I do think it is a reality, is that sometimes it does happen in the ordinary means, but sometimes... The Spirit just chooses to blow through a place. I mean, just blow through a place. You don't schedule it. He just lays you so bare and convinces you so deeply that you are in Christ and that you are a child of God that you wonder if you actually just became a Christian. I'm not saying that you became a Christian. I'm saying those fresh realities of the work of Christ are so real to your heart You've been so humbled and laid bare that it's like, holy smokes, how have I been missing this my whole life? Have any of you had that experience? I had that experience a couple of weeks ago. I was at a a conference in Florida for pastors. And it was like the speaker who honestly was not a very engaging speaker. 
He was kind of boring. But what he was saying, the Holy Spirit just took what he was saying. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was putting a gigantic spotlight on me. And I was being exposed. And I was devastated on one hand because I knew how sinful and broken I am. But I was also more hopeful than I've ever been in a really long time. Because I realized, holy smokes, the Holy Spirit is even showing me that I have the approval and love of my Father, even though all of this stuff is in my life. You can't set your watch. You can't put it on your day timer. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just uses a retreat, a conference, a podcast, a coffee meeting with a friend. I remember uh, there's... For the sake of time, um, I'm not going to tell you more stories, but if you'd like to know other stories of that from, from my life, I would love to share them. I think that's one of the incredible realities where we can believe that there's no condemnation and the Holy Spirit subjectively brings those realities to our heart. Well, I want to close our time this morning as we consider the Holy Spirit, the new birth, the new growth, and the new assurance that He brings from Romans chapter 8. I want to close with a story This is from someone I know. It's a true story from a friend and their conversation with their child, four-year-old son. I'm going to read it because it's a letter, okay? Well, we made it through the first reaction pretty well. Then the second tremor hit, and it came hard, resulting in his tearing leaves and telling me that he was throwing his sister away. Another leaf torn, telling me he was throwing me away. Another leaf torn, father, and finally himself. This language has become a recent theme, throwing things away, throwing people away. Discarded as if a piece of trash. I stayed calm and I said, do you feel like you have been thrown away? Yes, came came his raging response. I picked up the four-year-old and walked over to the driveway to sit down. I told him, Mama's not throwing you away. You are my boy. He responded, Some mama threw me away. I started crying. To hear my boy put into words what he feels by the leaving and abandonment of his first mom, thrown away, discarded, piece of trash. The four-year-old son said, Don't cry, Mama. I held my tears and hugged him tight and said, You are my forever boy. I'm keeping you. Even if you get mad, even if you hurt me, even if you use angry words, this Mama is keeping you. This Daddy is keeping you, is exactly what Paul is saying to those of us who are in Christ this morning from Romans chapter 8. That we are not merely tolerated, but we are adopted as children into God's family. For those of you who are not yet Christians and you're considering things, thank you for coming. I hope that you will consider what Paul is saying The promise of new birth and new growth and new assurance that is found for those who are looking to Christ. And for those of you who are Christians and you're like me, you want to love God. You want to impact this community. You want to love your family. You want to love your spouse. 
And yet you know your weakness and your brokenness. Will you look to Christ? Will you acknowledge the Holy Spirit's presence in your life, bringing new growth and new assurance that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, and that we are no longer slaves, but we are now sons. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have been patient and generous and kind to us in more ways than we can imagine. But you have particularly been kind and generous and patient by sending Jesus Christ to stand in our place, to fulfill the law in our place, to receive our condemnation that should have come to us. So that now we might have a seat at the table of our Heavenly Father for all of eternity. Holy Spirit, I ask that we believe those truths to be objective because they're from your Bible, from your word. But Holy Spirit, we need you to impress those truths into our lives. When we walk out of this church, we go to our restaurant or we go home, get up and go to work tomorrow morning, engage with people in our community, I pray that you might empower us to be utterly dependent and weak and needy and lean upon the work of God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.